0: That's the middle you just heard by a great band you're about to hear from. Their name, Jimmy Eat World. They're this week's interview on the inaugural, the premiere, the charter, the initial headliner interview on the Pop Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. If you're asking yourself, where are Keith and Katie? They're still with us. It's okay. They're alive and well. They're going to be doing an episode a week on here on the Pop Shop Podcast, just like always, but we're expanding. Things are getting bigger and better here at Billboard, and we're going to have multiple episodes of Pop Shop running every single week, and one of them, a weekly deep-dive, long-form interview with a great artist every week, is going to be from me, and this is the first one. I formally hosted Billboard's Alt Our Stars podcast. Going forward, I'm going to be hosting a weekly headliner interview with someone in the world of music, across all genres right here for Pop Shop. So for this first episode, I chose to keep it close to home, the alternative music where I come from. Jimmy World really changed my life. Bleed American, the album that produced their big hit, The Middle. That was the first album I ever bought that I spent my own money on, and it really changed my life, and has a lot to do with why I do what I do today with Billboard. Uh, They have a new album coming out called Integrity Blues on October 21st. It's really good. If you just know them from the hits, from the middle, from pain, from sweetness, I really suggest checking out this new album. We'll get into it in this podcast, see what it's all about, and rest assured, we did talk about the middle, too. Got a first-hand story from these guys about what it was like to perform it live with Taylor Swift, who's also a really big fan of them, and we talked about a whole lot more, so here it is, our headliner interview with Jimmy Eat World. Enjoy. good bit podcast time jump right in guys here with jimmy world in the billboard office i'm just going to go around the horn introduce everybody on today's show we got drummer zach lind over here how's it going got uh guitarist jim adkins hey what's up guitarist tom linton
1: hey how you doing
0: and on the bass rick birch
2: thanks for having us
0: yeah so it's exciting times for jimmy world integrity blues season you might say Just (laughs) one might say (laughs) I just saw you guys at riot fest out in Chicago So mixing some new songs into the set list a little bit of get right sure and certain so what's it been like mixing the new songs in
3: It's been uh, It's been exciting, you know, I think as a band you're always most Most uh, amped up to play the thing that you just did so we're really excited to start getting the new songs into the sets, but it's also I mean we realize that as a fan you want to hear stuff that you know and like already so
0: we try to make our set pretty varied yeah exactly because I I was gonna ask you about just what it's like putting sets together because I saw you guys a couple years ago and you were mixing in like Claire from Static Prevails so it's like what is it like putting together a Jimmy World set list when it's like, all right, we have to play, you know, some songs off the new album, the, the past singles, the hits that, you know, people want to hear and mixing in like the deep ones?
3: Yeah, you know, we just I, I, you're not going to make everybody happy. <laughs> There's always going to be stuff that you don't get to that someone probably wishes you would have. But, um, you know, we just try our best to keep switching up the set and and keep it fresh, I suppose.
0: Yeah, so are there any constant critiques or, like, things fans will shout out or tweet at you or something or, like, at a record signing like the one you're doing this week that, like, requests that they always want to hear?
1: I think we do a pretty good job of mixing in the old stuff, so it's not like we don't really... We're not really interested in withholding certain songs. You know, I think some bands... uh, do that and so we don't really get like a lot of the same requests over and over the typical request we get is for like maybe some song that's not as requested very often but it's just sort of like a you know a sort of a maybe a lesser known song yeah it's kind of all over the place yeah and and yeah so it becomes buried like oh i want you i want you to play that one song that was like the eighth song on static prevails or something like that and it's um whereas like Play track eight. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it's, it's... No it's, love for
0: a <laughs> caveman? Is that what that oh, would be? No. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I gotta I
1: uh, you know our discography,
3: discography better than we do. Is that, is, is
0: that... It's probably
3: track eight. That might be track eight from Stack Prevails.
0: We'll have billboards uh, fact-checking people. <laughs>
3: yeah, make sure, you, make sure you get on that before you release this. You don't want, like, you know, throngs of angry fans writing in, like, you don't even know your own record, man. It is fascinating, though, because it seems like everyone everyone comes back with like a different favorite, you know, everyone, everyone's developed their own, their own take on, on, um, on our catalog. And it's, you know, I guess it's, uh, it's flattering, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be different if it, it'd be, it'd be kind of, uh, it'd be sort of a, uh, a negative sign if everyone came back with the same song and that was it after nine albums.
0: Yeah, well, I stopped the static prevails, so that's yeah. all I know. <laughs> ah, no. You yeah. guys are gonna have to help you're, you're me. You're one of those guys. What about uh? The
3: early punk stuff is way better.
0: Maybe a, a last Christmas request, no. ever.
3: We do that
1: sometimes for holiday shows. Like if we're doing like a Christmas radio show, we'll play that every once in a while.
0: Yeah. So I think we uh let's let's introduce some new music, drop in some stuff. This is get right. you worked on some solo stuff put out some 7 inches and toured a little bit on your own in between albums before getting this new album together so how did that affect the process of making the new stuff
3: it uh well for me i i think the whole experience was just reinforcement that when you push yourself outside of what you're familiar with when you choose to take a um, a new uh, you know, unknown path. It 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 yields rewards that are beyond your expectation. Like, um, you know, bringing bringing that in personally. When it was time to get back together and make Integrity Blues, it, it was, um, you know, it 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 just fueled it fueled my kind of thinking that that. And I think we all sort of came to this same conclusion independently. But you know, we need to not necessarily rely on what the easy way to go would be for writing for recording. um, But continually ask ourselves like, is this, is this the best that we're going to be doing? Or is this just like the familiar route because it plays to our strengths? You know, after being a band for 23 years now, we we've, we've developed like this shorthand kind of communication between us where one of us might start something and another person finishes it. And then it's, it's like, yeah, that's what we do. Cool. Which is good. You know, cause it's, it's valuable. It takes a long time to build up a, uh, um, rapport like that. But, but also you can, if you're not willing to push yourself outside of that, you can get, um, you know, run the risk of repeating yourself. And really what's the point of any of this, unless you're willing to, to risk and willing to grow yeah I'm
0: gathering all it's a process for all four of you to recharge yourselves and keep yourselves motivated, so this unit together functions well and Zach too, like as you did solo stuff too with Richard desert
1: yeah, you know my wife and i it wasn't really solo stuff it was uh uh my wife and I did it together, couple and stuff. Uh, yeah, a couple stuff Duo. It was you know, and uh yeah, it was fun, you know like uh it was just sort of allowing yourself the space to explore other things sort of led to. You know I I tried to learn how to play bass a little bit and uh you know I sort of learned how to do some do my own multi-track recording in my house so just even that side of it was really cool and this and just trying to put together some songs and it was something that you know I'd always I've had experience doing it with the band in my in my role but like uh doing it on my own is it sort of you know it gave me a uh a, a lot of insight into you know uh a really small window of what it's like to be, you know, f- like what Jim has to do or what Tom or Rick have to do. So it's, it's, uh, it was really cool, really fun experience.
0: Yeah. So complete musician, complete person recharging. And for you guys, what was it like the interim you might say? Oh
2: Yeah. Uh, I chose to explore something totally different, uh, but also, uh, a creative, uh, Area as well. I chose to uh, explore flavors and uh, putting different flavors together to make uh, beverages. So I've I've started a distillery in Arizona, and we're uh, been uh, making gin for about a year now, and it's uh, it's it's really fun. It's uh it's totally different than uh, putting sounds together to make a song, but uh, you know it's similar in that you are bringing things you know from different areas together. To to make this one thing, there's that, uh, analogies to be made. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was,
0: it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Different sonic flavors. Different, yeah. Different <laughs> textures. Rick's, Rick's, Rick's new Taste nickname is Rick Rainbow. Flavor Birch. <laughs> yeah, I mean Birch. You already have kind of like a beverage, yeah, flavorful like, name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because if you were if you were doing like beer brewing, it would be too easy.
2: Yeah, Birch beer. There's, there's I think, there's already that. It's like the birch root.
3: Is it an IR or a UR? You could. You could you a, it is an I. You could get yeah. it on the ground floor of the UR. Yeah.
2: Ur's like and nurse. Right. Oh, I've already got that locked up, yeah. so don't try.
0: <laughs> and, Tom,
1: what about you? Uh, let's see. I just started boxing. Oh. Yeah. So nothing too crazy.
0: Yeah, just the usual yeah a little boxing yeah (laughs) were you very very (laughs) angry
1: no not angry at all just got into shape he's more of a he's more of a pugilist he's not really like the uh brawler you know he's more of like a gets a nice jab technical fighter yeah
0: okay i wasn't sparring or anything like that and what is what is it's it's like going to a gym yeah working with a trainer yep exactly and are you gonna be doing this on tour House, I think like so. Barnstorming, like doing challenges in like different cities you go to. I think so. I'll bring my gloves. <laughs>
2: I'll throw down.
0: I've seen up, a couple uh, of gyms, a lot of gyms yeah. actually here in New York. would be cool. <laughs> Tom Hunk tour, the quote is, I'll bring, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring my gloves. You know, that
3: could go That could go south pretty quickly. You know, like there's something about having boxing gloves laying around that just always end up in a bad way. Because the first thing you'll want to do is hit something. On, put one on. Yeah okay you hit me dude that would always happen when
1: we were kids (laughs) hit me with your best shot yeah all right i'm flexing hit don't hit hard and then it would end up to like (laughs) end up in like a full brawl yeah
0: someone's crying it seems like when the band first got mainstream big like the early 2000s when certain trends were popping like certain haircuts or adding screaming into pop-punk songs.
3: DJs. Yeah,
0: things like that. It it seemed like Jimmy World could have attached itself to trends that were kind of adjacent to the music you were making and really cashed in, but you never did anything like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, what we were doing seemed to be working. (laughs) (laughs) So we figured that, you know, that's, well, that's, this is working. Let's just be us still. You know, I mean... It's hard to say in, in retrospect, like if we would have, you know, made an effort to play the game somewhat, it, how that would have, like what kind of results that would have yielded. In my mind, I see it just being as like desperate and, you know, we'd rather take, um, you know, like cool is an opinion, but, but, you know, reliable is a fact. And I'd rather be the unsexy fact than the opinion that's going to change next week.
0: Is it at all frustrating not being in the mainstream eye as much as those days?
3: No. No, it's not. I mean, (laughs) that would be just exhausting.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that, uh, regardless, like, whether we're in the mainstream eye or not, um, it's sort of out of our control. You know, like, all we can do is make records that we like and that we're proud of. And, like, if it ends up, you know people paying attention to it on a grander scale then cool if not then that's not really anything that we can control so there really is no point in either taking glee in it or being frustrated by it
0: yeah so are, are there any like bad memories of like weird things or difficult things or just awkward things from maybe doing the mainstream game around like futures and Bleed american where now it's just like well glad that's over
1: I don't think there's any, was, I don't think there's any, like, bad memories. I mean, it was all fun, you know? Like, um, we got a lot of really cool opportunities, and we enjoyed it, you know? I think that, um, you know, I mean, it's sort of hard to compl- complain about anything at that point, you know? I mean, yeah, you might be busy or tired, um, but, you know, who isn't? Who's doing a job and working hard, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, and the fan base is still just, like, so fervent and so big, so like still I feel like you've kind of gotten the best of both worlds out of that at the end
3: we've been uh, you know like I said we've been really fortunate that we have that uh, group of people out there that are active in in what we do following us Uh, you know they'll give they'll give it a shot when we put put out something new regardless if we have a song on the radio or internet virality you know they're actively paying attention they'll listen and that's you know that's that's really the best I think any of us can hope for
0: yeah that's like real fans you get who will keep up with stuff because you built like a real fan base aside from yeah. chasing a trend
3: the absolute worst thing that could have happened to us is if our static prevails record would have just blown up for some crazy reason in the, the late the late 90s the mid late 90s of uh, alt rock fervor
1: being that young too, oh um, yeah, what 18, ni-
0: 19 years old, something like yeah. that.
3: yeah, it's
0: dangerous. And why would that have been bad? Well,
3: because there was because it, that wouldn't have um, allowed the 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 real development of connecting with people, like like what we have now. Um, without that foundation of of, of true support underneath you i think you know you are then only as good as your last single you know as the you're only as good as the commercial performance of your last single unless you have like a foundation of actual fans underneath it to support it
0: yeah so i want to hop back to the present but let's drop in some music what static prevails track should we drop in a little bit of
3: let's play Rockstar.
0: Rockstar?
3: The single. The the single that burned up the Oh never mind, it didn't (laughs) do anything.
0: (laughs) Or Claire. Whatever.
3: Let's play Rockstar Tom.
0: Okay. Let's play Rockstar.
2: Stop giving it up now because you're good.
0: to the present so with the new album Integrity Blues uh, I remember you were talking about the last album as an adult breakup record so I was wondering are breakup themes still present on this album Um,
3: well yeah I think Damage definitely got really deep into uh, you know the problems Uh, Integrity Blues is kind of like what we were talking about a minute ago what's really behind that problem Um, you know, whether it might be, um, relationship issues or anxiety about like your just position in life, like, you know, maybe I should be further along in my career than I am right now. I never thought I should have my, my act together way more than I do. And, you know, nothing's right. Um, you know, whatever that is, like that's your your issue. That's your problem. But what's actually behind that? What is it you really want? Um, that's what was kind of fascinating to me in 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 writing the like the lyrics and the themes for Integrity Blues. It's like um, you're in an argument with somebody. You know, it's a it's a heated argument. You are trying your best to present your side of it, and you want to be right. But is that what you really want? Is that you want to be right? Or do you want to be, you know, at peace with yourself? <laughs> like, w- what's behind this? What's behind that, like, that need to to, to um, get that external validation of being, you know, right?
0: Yeah, just like, yeah, like, in, like, this existential question of, like, what deep down makes me happy? what it sounds like
3: yeah yeah and I think that that requires you to evaluate um what it is you're doing because obviously if you're not you know at peace with yourself like you it's because you're not doing something you know you need to all you need to figure out what it is you're doing so you can correct what you know your trajectory um And it's sort of, uh, maybe, it might feel counterintuitive, but, but, um, you know, you have like these, uh, these goals, these desires, these, these ambitions, which are fine in and of themselves, but if you're relying on the success of these finish line type goals to bring about that sense of peace, that sense of self worth or that personal happiness, you're going to be disappointed because either you're going to get there and then what you're done or you don't get there. And do you interpret that as failure? Do you interpret that as like a reason to reinforce a negative self image? You know, it's like what you can control is your effort and what you can do is be, do your best to be proud of like the quality of your effort. Which means that, you know, the best any of us really have at any given point is that we're just in a state of progress, and uh, you know, to make a long story kind of short, like the, um, you know, I guess like the the major themes on Integrity Blues are about like coming to acceptance with that, and um, you know, just the the sense of freedom that that can actually bring in accepting it but it's but it's counterintuitive because your ego is going to want to fight that because mm-hmm. it wants to be right.
0: I mean, that in a nutshell I mean, it can be applied to lots of things, but that really sounds like the mentality behind a rock band that's been together and still happy for 20-plus years.
3: It's definitely an album that we would not have been able to make without the entirety of our life experience.
0: Word. I mean, yeah. It's like I, I, so. One could say that that's true of any album that comes out, but I'm, this is. It seems like a lot of probably personal, relationship, family, just singular, in, on your own things.
3: Yeah, I mean, there there is a level of self awareness that I think is also like. You you can say that. Of course, everything is the sum of your experience, but you know the there is a level of self awareness to, to to this album, that we might not have you know possessed earlier
0: mm. you know and we're speaking in broad strokes here and being kind of vague but f- over the years it seems like Jimmy world has been the band that has never sat down to explain a song it's always seemed like the vibe has been whatever you interpret it as that works
3: i think that's true of any piece of art it doesn't really matter what we have to say about it because um, what's important is what you're gonna bring to it. Um, why music is important is purely because you've developed your own associations with it. You've made it yours, and you know no one's gonna take that away from you. And I think it might I- be. It might be completely. Sorry, it might be completely different than what the intent of the creation was. You know, I think, like, sometimes, like, spelling it out can can maybe um, color that in a way that makes it less objective for for a listener to to get. And I think that, you know,
1: in the way that Jim has been talking about this, and and I, I think it's vague enough to where I think people can insert themselves in a way that's very real and personal to them. You know, it's not like we're talking about um, you know, the, the it's sort of broad themes, but it's I think when you listen to the music and you hear, you know, sort of how uh, Jim sets up each song with the sort of with the setting and, and a character, and and it it's tying into that broad theme. But there's also a way for people to kind of find their own experience in that, and um, you know, I think like and and sometimes it's sort of a It's a fine line because if if you you approach a piece of art or a song or whatever and you have zero idea you know what the artist was intending um it can be a little bit like oh well you can't really root yourself in the piece but if you have a sort of like really sort of vague general sense of like this is sort of the thing i think it sometimes gives the listener or the audience like a pathway to really experience that song or or whatever it is more fully.
0: Yeah, like for instance, someone could interpret Sure and Certain as a song about being at peace, being satisfied. Yeah, if they want. I mean you know, it's like <laughs> I guess there's no no wrong answer to what I just said.
3: Someone could someone could uh, you know, just really think that sure and certain is their vacuuming the house jam. <laughs> yeah. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Well, let's try it out. Let's drop in a little bit of sure and certain
3: <laughs> There must be something else Leaving questions I might ask
1: you're doing the dishes like you know you'll you kind of feel like goodbye <that> thing- yeah ree- things- like you just see the dishes Rinse. that's kind of an important uh like demographic or or sort of like target is to is this really good for like doing the dishes and
0: domestic routines we'll
3: focus group our uh our album doing various household chores and, yeah. then, and then the people will uh give the survey back and then that's how we decide what goes on the album
0: this is making me think of Taylor Swift's like, lip-syncing and rocking out to the middle in that commercial. Exactly.
3: That one scored really high on the Girls' Night pregame chart that we had, so it you know, became a single.
0: <laughs> From your vantage point, then, I, I this is awesome to see that commercial pop up. From the vantage point of you guys, how did that all come about?
3: I um, uh, got an email saying, okay, there's a request to use your uh, the middle it's uh, a Apple commercial and it's like uh one of these vignettes they do about people's lives and you know, it's for iTunes and Oh yeah, the person is going to be Taylor Swift. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, I'll believe that when I see it, then all of a sudden I saw it. <laughs> I still don't believe it. It's, it's pretty wild. You know, it's like that that song is now 15 years old and it's just, it's really flattering that this long into you know that being out there, that it's still connecting with people, it's still finding an audience, and and, and that audience is uh may, may or may not have been around when that record was was really you know had had its first uh ascension. This is mind blowing, really.
0: Yeah, and you've been familiar with working with Taylor before and things, right?
3: Uh. Yeah. No, no, i Sorry, I was gonna go off on on some uh, not real thing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I sat in with her once when she played in Phoenix, but that's
0: when you came out on stage and performed. The yeah, middle that with yeah, her. that happened. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what was that like? That coming out in her arena tour and playing the middle with her and her band.
3: It was pretty wild, you know. I mean, even uh, that was like I think two tours ago. But even then, she was still like one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, that was the, the, red,
0: the Red tour, I think.
3: It was the one right before Red. It was Red. That. She had Ed Ed Sheeran opening up for her, and that was like something. I don't know, whatever. Speak now. Might even speak now.
0: Yeah. No, the T Swift discography. But anyway, continue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did uh, you? You got to ride the elevator up onto stage, right? But yeah,
3: you, we're doing check and. And uh it's like Are you cool with the elevator? And I go, What's elevator? It's like yeah, this is you know, you're gonna enter in the middle of the arena on this like floating platform with like <laughs> smoke and lights coming out of it. Chill. It's like, huh. Well uh, you know, first off the the inner metal kid that, that got into music from watching like videos by like scorpions. And Def Leppard And you know Birth of MTV era Heavy metal That was like Oh yeah Yeah, We're we're doing the All these
1: fans Were blowing on Jim's hair It was so
2: beautiful It was just like
1: It was
3: like Even even if You know It was like Even if we got to the point Even if we got to the point Where we were doing arenas Like this is a gag We would never do So here's my chance To to do that (laughs) Absolutely It's
2: it's like Not real But doing It's super cool
3: (laughs) Yeah you know everything once
0: and you could, can you remember what was going through your head when you were on stage performing with smoke blowing hair around <laughs>
3: I was like I was thinking to myself that Taylor would be you know announcing like and here's some guy with a guitar some guy ladies and gentlemen but uh, uh, you know people knew the song, songs they, they, they knew who I was it was kind of nice
0: yeah. Yeah it,
3: I got a whole lot of cred from the twelve the year old girls on the on the, the on the street after that. Oh Mr. Atkins is so cool.
0: Oh, Mr. Atkins. Yeah,
3: Mr. Atkins is actually cool. He's not like a lame dad. <laughs>
0: Are you often referred to as Mr. Atkins? Uh
1: we all have to call him that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> he, he he stipulated it before this album cycle. Okay, at the beginning, hey okay, guys, the, there's going to be a few changes. Yeah,
3: at the beginning of a tour, I have an orientation video that I make everyone sit down and 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 view, mm-hmm. and uh, in that they're they're instructed to refer to me as Mister. Adkins. And there's
1: major fines if you call him Jimmy at all. So if you call him Jimmy, you, you get you get you get
0: fined and uh, you get a reprimand. As, I mean maybe not so much now. Hopefully not now. But has there ever been? confusion in the band's history with the band being called jimmy Eat world but not referring to you but your name is jim
3: all the time
1: i feel like there's some confusion but i don't think it's as bad as you would think it would be like i think people know i mean there certainly there is going to be that popping up but i, I don't think it's like something we're constantly it's talking
2: generally about. with someone that's more like really just not familiar with the band just you know might have heard a song and just oh, like, so, oh you're, yeah, that, so you're so you're the, the Jimmy
0: you must be yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> and I mean there there are lots of band names that are positioned that way so if someone's not familiar with the band yeah. I mean hmm. yeah it's it's it, it's an
1: uh, easy uh, you know it's an sort of an easy mistake to make it's it's not really even a mistake it's like it but it's but it's yeah I mean it, it, there doesn't seem to be like a ton of confusion about it but yeah as much as you would think there would be let's drop in the middle
0: try your best try everything you can and don't you worry what they go a little bit back further the album before that static Prev- or <laughs> clarity i think is hearing younger bands and just younger people talking about that album these days i think it's just inspired a whole lot of younger artists like have you kept up with like what people call the emo revival at all those bands what are those bands <laughs> stuff like the <laughs> answer is no <laughs> the, the world is a beautiful place into it over it pine grove Bands on top shelf records. Not
3: ringing a bell. No.
0: no, sorry. Well, there's a lot of people out there who love you who are part <laughs> of that. Okay. No, no, it's We'll have to check man, them out.
3: It's it's again. It's it, it is. I know what you're saying. You yeah. know, it, we're just messing around. Like it, it is. It is super flattering that I think um, that people consider work that we've done, you know, important, mm-hmm. and they've you know, but. It's it's a little tough for us to feel like uh, comfortable asserting that, that 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 you know that winner circle kind of trophy place that that is that whole thing because I mean what 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 seems to be celebrated from a, a, a distance is completely different than what our experience was in that time you know I mean. Zach was booking sh- our own shows. We were sleeping on floors, you know driving driving a van around the country, playing to nobody, you know just like but have, having a really fun time meeting up with other bands who had the same kind of drive and determination, but it was uh, you know a really sm- you know a, a dedicated but really small kind of scene that that I think uh, you know was our experience and it's just weird to think that that is now um, you know that that kind of like evolved and 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 grew and influenced people and is now like a much bigger thing than that because in our heads it's like yeah we're just playing for you know we're we're still like that band playing for 20 people in in the middle of nowhere including the five other bands in bar staff
1: I feel like it's funny, though. Like, people will associate us with, like, being a 90s band occasionally. Like, oh, that's so 90s. But it's, like, in the 90s when we played, like, no one knew (laughs) who we were. Like, you know, like, we hardly had any fans at all. And, like, even just the other night, like, Jim, we were doing an in-store, and Jim's, like, there's like maybe 300 people there, and Jim's like, "Hey, uh, who 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 found out about us to the Clarity record?" And like half these people raised their hand. And I'm like, "That's yeah. bullshit,", bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, like like none of you knew who we were then because like you know, and and you know, it, it's it's sort of easy to sort of lump yourself into like, "Oh yeah, I was there at the beginning," but you know, at shows there weren't a lot of people coming out to shows, and uh, and it wasn't really until you know. American where we started getting like you know fairly large crowds at shows and uh, it's just funny how that how heard sort of people remember like yeah. like
3: remember a little bit differently than what actually happened but I get it though I mean like if you look at any you know like uh, like who who was checking out the Ramones at CBGB like that that you know the capacity of that club isn't very large but yet like that era that scene is just you know romanticized to a point where it did you know the the legend of it did have like you know a ripple effect of influence it's just weird it's just weird when when you're a part of that <laughs> that mm-hmm. initial place like it doesn't seem like i don't know you feel like an asshole owning it
0: because you guys have the the insight of actually being there and knowing what the limitations and the frustrations were, and you see how it's kind of, like, glorified and spiffed up now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I... I f- yeah, I mean, I think it's... It, but that's just human nature, you know? It's not like anyone's trying to do something mean or bad. It's just mm-hmm. it's just the way human... You know, it's the way we sort of... We all probably think that way to some degree about something in our lives.
3: Yeah,
0: because sometimes I wonder if... Wow, maybe if on Jimmy Eat World's next album, would they try to do something that's more really in line with what Clarity and Static Prevails were, that's more in line with what like these bands are doing now and like, get in on that? But it seems like that's just not something you want to do.
3: I don't know how we would do that even if we were trying to. And even if we tried to, it would be
1: lame. You know, it would be like, oh, you know... Um, that's not as cool as we thought it would be. Like when people say, Oh, make another clarity or make another this. And it's like, you you don't really want that. Yeah. You you can't do that. Like, and part of me would say like, if we went and re-recorded clarity, it would sound way better and it would be way better. But then like people would be like, Oh, well that's not how it was, you know, when you did it. So it's like, I think for us it's, it's like Jim was saying earlier, just trying to be honest with who you are and what you're interested in, in the moment. And you have to challenge yourself to do something new, but you also have to remember who you are and you have to ride that fine line. And I feel like we've done a good job of that through our career where the albums have their own sort of vibe and, and their own little, uh, you know, it's it's like a, it's like a snapshot of where we were at that time, but it's still us all the way through it, you know? And I think it's part of it is like, you don't, you don't try to do this, this crazy concept record that where you kind of bring yourself out of who you are, and you also don't try to recreate something because someone's wanting you to be sound like the old days and you you just continually challenge yourself and try new things but you also got to stay true to you know your identity as a band
3: i think part of the desire for when 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 uh, when someone makes a comment like that or suggestion like that is they want more first time discovery experience mm-hmm. and you you don't get that again you know there's something special about a record that that it, that um, you discover a new a new artist with that will never be matched by any subsequent album ever. And I under I get it. I understand why you know because that feels really awesome to to discover something, but that's not going to happen again.
0: Yeah, and from the other bands that you came out of that punk scene with in the '90s, your trajectory and what Jimmy World wound up doing is just so singular and different, like. Getting commercial success, never breaking up, and really never having lineup changes. Like, how do you think like so many of the other bands, artists from that time, who you came up with? How do you, how do they think of you now?
3: I don't know. I haven't really, <laughs> I
0: haven't, really haven't really posed that question. Like, hey, so, what do you think about prom- me? Promise ring. Enough what about, about, about me. Us? What do you think
3: about me? <laughs> uh, no, we keep in touch with a lot of those guys, all those people that were that we, we um, you know rolled around with um, you know everyone you know I just got I got you know when uh, sure and certain came out on, on as a single I got a lot of messages from from people saying hey man you know just saw you had a new single great job and it's, it's, it's cool it's awesome you know I think it's I think more more it's about valuing people that knew you when you were a kid and that's that's what that experience was for us like you know, those relationships are important simply because, you know, we, we have that shared experience, um, you know, doing all those things for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about Phoenix in Arizona a little bit, too, because it's another thing that coming across, you know, artists coming through Billboard and dealing with bands, musicians, there's not a whole lot of people coming out of Arizona that rep it. So I think you guys have a really unique perspective to talk to on this. What do you th- see as like the music scene there? Is is it good? Is it popping for Phoenix?
3: It's uh I think it's not unlike the music scene that anyone would describe of their particular scene. You know, there's a lot of really good work happening, mm-hmm. a lot of dedicated people doing things for the right reason, but it's it's always a battle to garner that that, that level of uh, um that critical mass of support to break out from it. Um You know it's it's uh it's it's tricky you know our our town is really spread out like there's just endless land so as the as the place is developing it just went you know you can uh you know but it's 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 like sort of like the like southern california in a way it's just you know city as long as you can drive and it's tricky because even even with the even with like um you know, the ability to get the word out and connect, you know, over like social media, it's still like a situation where there could be kids on one part of town that have this amazing like micro scene happening and you would never know about it if you were on the other side of town. Right. So it's a little bit disconnected, but, um, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely supportive of it as, as much as we can be.
0: Do you think there's enough venues cuz that's so important in holding something like that together. Yeah.
3: You know, downtown Phoenix is starting to get a lot more happening. Like it's something I've been rooting for my whole life like oh man, downtown it's you know, it'd be so great if we had like, you know, an arts community downtown cuz that would <laughs> that would make us a real city. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there's a there's the perpetual kind of underdog vibe that that is nice to feel like you're you're a part of when you're working there but um and it, it, it's starting to get better there's there's a there's a handful of venues now that are downtown that are doing because um, you, you're right you do need that like physical scene hub that is supporting and 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 giving and providing the environment where where artists musicians can develop if you don't have that you're not going to have you know Arts and you're not going to have, uh, you know, much of a scene.
0: So I know you guys are big sports fans, or maybe some of you. Zach, we've spoken about baseball before. Yeah, um, yeah. Talked about the O1 uh, Diamondbacks once, but uh, I guess the Diamondbacks aren't really popping right now. But what about the Cardinals? What do you guys think about them?
1: The Cardinals right now are are a little bit schizophrenic. They're they're they sometimes play really well, and then. This season they've had some poor performances but you know I think the team is really talented but I think they're just a little soft. I think they need to find like the killer instinct. They got to get the eye of the tiger.
3: I want to say for uh, any Arizona Cardinals players or trainers that that the rest that Zach said that. Yeah. Yeah, Zach made that comment about you guys being soft. <laughs> hey, you know,
1: I think it's probably nothing that their coach hasn't already said about them this for when week. you meet Larry Fitzgerald next. Yeah,
3: it was that was Zach. <laughs> I met Larry
1: Fitzgerald. I told him that was, know, before, Larry, that was before you
3: called him soft. Larry,
1: but Larry Fitzgerald is not soft. Larry Fitzgerald is awesome. But you know, the team
0: needs to step up a little bit. I think they know that. I mm. think they know that. Do you think sport, like, I'm trying to think of you saying Phoenix is so sprawled out trying to bring people together and have unity. Do you think, like, right now, do you think sports or a specific sport really holds that together?
1: Phoenix is sort of a a town that if, like, if you're a band and you're getting banged on the radio, like, a lot, and there's a lot of that, then people will come and to your show, and you'll you'll have a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, if you don't have that sort of, like... Mainstream attention, you, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle. Same thing with sports teams. If your team is like winning, then Phoenix is like will be totally behind you, will support you. And if your team is not doing great, like the the stadium will be almost empty. And it's mm. like it's a little bit different than like if you go to like you know if you go to a Red Sox game or if you go to a Yankees game, like the team could be at the you know, bottom of the standings and people will fill the place and the people, you know, the fans will be there. And like just Phoenix is a little bit different because there's so many different people from all over the country that sort of transition their lives to there. So they're like loyal to some other team or, you know, other things. So
3: the the good the good aspect of that is the people that are supporting it are hardcore you know mm-hmm. like that's they're in it for the right reasons they're doing it all like without the without the the promise of success or or uh or or stardom or um achievement you know they're they're into they're into it and they're involved because they love it
0: the the way arizona seems to be leaning with the upcoming election i feel like is the opposite of how the band probably leans So have you guys either individually or as a band been working towards awareness of that at all?
3: Um, You know, the Arizona Republic just endorsed Hillary Clinton. In its 126-year history, it's never endorsed a Democrat.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Because I saw that trending today on Facebook, and I guess guess that was why.
3: I'd like to to think we helped in that. Yeah. You know.
1: I think it's it's hard, you know, Arizona is sort of a, a weird state because there's a sort of a big sort of a libertarian streak there. And um, you know, it's still a little bit like a little bit like the Wild West in a way, you know, like people I think, you know, depending on the the landscape, you know, it, it, you know, we we've, we've had really progressive governors that have been really popular and people, you know, like we had Janet Napolitano was a Arizona governor and she was really popular and everyone liked her and uh so it just sort of it's sort of a weird state but i would i would be surprised if i think it's probably on the whole leans more conservative so uh, Mm. trump will probably win arizona but um we're hoping that's not the case
0: yeah because zach i saw you were like vocal on twitter following the the debate between trump and hillary
1: totally yeah i'm i'm
0: constantly tweeting about that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah it's just really fascinating to me yeah so thanks so much for coming by guys is there anything else you want to throw out there we didn't touch on
3: um, No, man. Just, you know, our record Integrity Blues comes out October 21st. We're going to be on the road now through 2018. So, you know, check Jimmy dot com for tour dates. If you didn't see something in your area, um, wait a second before sending an angry email or tweet. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there.
0: there. Get those static prevail song requests in.
3: Yeah. You know, get them in now. Submit your focus group cards for. Mm hmm for uh you know your favorite vacuuming or uh you know cat brushing soundtrack songs we'll, we'll try to work them in
0: <laughs> word well thanks so much for coming by guys that was fun Thank
3: yeah you thanks again. for having us
0: yeah that's it that is the show Thanks to Jimmy World so much for coming by. I'm sure you could tell my level of fandom. Actually, a little fun fact. I almost never ask artists for photos after they come by for podcasts, for interviews. Because, you know, I'm professional. I'm a journalist. Do this for a living. Often I'm a very big personal fan of the artist, but not always best form if you're in my position to like kind of geek out and ask for an interview. But for this time, I did it. You got to make exceptions when exceptions are due, and yeah, Jimmy World, they can pose for a good photo. (laughs) Some good-looking guys in that band, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this first episode as close to as much as I did. I enjoyed it a lot, so if you enjoyed a little less, that's understandable. That's the first headliner interview on the Pop Shop podcast. Keith and Katie will have a new episode soon, and I'll be back next week with a new interview. Might even have some more new hosts and new episodes popping up on the Pop Shop podcast lately. We are expanding. Things are exciting here at Billboard, so keep it tuned here. Subscribe on iTunes to Pop Shop. Rate us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like in the comments. Feedback is huge, so thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.